What's your take on astrological signs? Ooh, I wouldn't say I put the most stock into them. <laughs> You're not like, hey, like this sign, it's saying I'm doing this today. This is what I'm doing today. When you get a horoscope. I would say I put more store into Hogwarts houses. <laughs> Wow. I, I I know you're saying that tongue in cheek, but it's fun to think that maybe you live your life by that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I would like if someone took the quiz for what house they are, I would take that as more of an indicator of their personality than if they told me what what the stars looked like the day they were born. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, because like. You're putting something in to get that out. It's not yeah, just you know, this is what's like, been ascribed to you. It's personality based, not <laughs> celestial bodies based. <laughs> but you know, listen, they did it for a lot longer than Hogwarts existed. So who knows? Maybe they had it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also did slavery for a long time. And- uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. This is going down a good path. You definitely haven't cornered me. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. everybody welcome to butter no parsnips i'm kyle imperator and i'm emily moyers kyle what words have you got rattling around in your brain emily so many words um most of them are just a the it (laughs) yeah those are Um, the most common ones huh yeah yeah um but if you like rifle through it a little bit you can find a little gem peeking out and i've got oh. one for you today emily oh. your word today is syzygy s-y-z-y-g-y i'm sorry kyle are you trying to get a high score in scrabble i am <laughs> sounds like you're at least a, fam- a little bit familiar with this word emily what no I just oh. there's a lot of cr- no i'm furious oh. at how many I, crazy letters are in that word i well i'm saying I mean, is this a fake word that you're giving me just so you can get a triple word and now you're going to give me the word that is a real word no this is the real word emily and an actual scrabble winning word like a very Hilarious. important word in scrabble <laughs> i mean that makes sense it's crazy yeah. there's Three Y's and a Z in and here. And a Z, yeah. There's no real vowels in here. Yeah, I don't even know if you can get three Y's in a hand <laughs> in Scrabble. <laughs> Gotta be honest. Are there even three Y's in the whole bag? <laughs> you have to create your own tile. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so is this a noun? This is a noun, Emily. And is the language of origin Martian? Uh, I mean, no. <laughs> is it is it a sci-fi word? It is not directly a sci-fi word. Is it no. a science word? It is. Okay. Are these the kind of hints that we're giving now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I asked and you answered, so I guess. 
<laughs> okay, Kyle. And what is the definition? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm asking yes or no questions. That feels That's fair. Fair. That's fair. It's it's fair game. I'm I'm stretching the rules. So I'll tell you that it is. It comes from Latin and Greek. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you like a hint? I would. Okay. I thought about taking a wild stab first. No, take the stab first. It's always fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. So I think syzygy is like the amount of sizzle that something makes when you put it in a hot pan. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry, but the syzygy factor of that hot dog <laughs> is below 20 par. I've conducted the experiments and I've discovered that calculators <laughs> do not have very good syzygy. <laughs> you were putting a calculator in a frying pan? It was for science. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, give me a hint. Emily, your hint is fated. 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 Whoa. Okay. So syzygy, now I'm thinking maybe it's something like something like serendipity. Uh syzygy. Syzygy is like Oh, no, I guess that's just synergy. I'm just going to say all the words that sound similar. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so far, you're closest with the putting a calculator in a frying pan one, and that's not good news. <laughs> okay. I think syzygy is, is it like, like the, the science side of astrology? Wow, Emily, you're right there. You're right I, there, Emily. I don't think I can get. I my my head is so empty. That's fine. You gotta not, just give me the um, rest. Yeah, I'll take uh, the yeah. L. You're gonna take the L, but you're gonna realize how close you were. The science side of astrology is just astronomy, um, Emily. But <laughs> but good, you know. But this word is an astronomy and an astrology word, and it okay. means. An alignment of three celestial bodies in which one body is directly between the other two, forming a straight line, such as occurs at an eclipse. And just that event is a is, syzygy? Or is a is, syzygy. Is a syzygy. Okay, I'm with you so far. So syzygy, oh, it, I just prefacing this, the Latin for this is freaking insane. <laughs> You I know mean, they I don't am... use Z's in Latin and Greek. Yeah, I'm. I'm immediately very curious about how this word breaks down. Yeah, etymologically, it's fun. So it comes from the late Latin "suzugia," uh huh, which in astronomy meant conjunction, which we'll get to in a little bit. Okay. And that comes from the ancient Greek. Here we go. <laughs> Suzdu. Sorry. <laughs> Su Su <laughs> Suzdugia, <laughs> and that could mean a union or junction, a yoke of animals, oh. coupling or copulation, a conjunction of words or things in pairs. In astronomy, it could mean the alignment of celestial bodies, of course, or yeah. it could also more generally mean pair, was Suzdugia. <laughs> so there's the do in there, that's like two. Yeah, so like, no. It's oh. just the Z in ancient Greek made this D sound. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I didn't really understand it all that much. Uh, if any of our ancient Greek listeners are out there listening, could. <laughs> 
help me out with this. I'll be great. Caligula, could you help us yeah. figure this out? <laughs> Give us a text. Our main man, Cicero. <laughs> so that word, Emily, stems from the word Suzdugos, which meant yoked together or paired. And that word has two parts. The prefix sun, which means with, together, or like a synonym for co or sin, or could indicate completeness. And then the second part was zdugos, which means a yoke or pair. So it literally means paired together. Sure. It also, it's it's like if you are taking legal action against a goss, you you, you sues de goss. Oh, God. (laughs) I've been trying to come up. All of these words sound (laughs) like there has to be a really good pun in there somewhere. And that was (laughs) that was the best I could come up with. It's pretty bad. All right. All right. No, 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 no. It's good. I like it. Yeah. We sue de goss. Don't patronize me, Kyle. (laughs) Move on. We're going to sue some other things, Emily, because sues de goss is an alternate form of the word zdugon. Which comes from the verb, get ready for this one, <gasps> zdugoa, <laughs> which means to yoke or join together. And it is the past tense, we're really walking it through here, it's the past <laughs> tense of zdugotos, from which we get the English word zygote, meaning ah. a fertilized egg cell. Yeah, that's where it comes into play. And that's play. like two, that's two coming together like sperm and egg. A sperm and egg. Coupling. Yes. yes. And in fact, Emily, as you may remember from biology class, the zygote is, we, we just said, as a result of sperm and egg coming together, which is through the reproductive process called meiosis, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. In I remember they, that. Absolutely, yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, you remember. In meiosis, Emily... The word syzygy is used to refer to the pairing of chromosomes. Oh. Yeah. So, Emily, the earliest instance of the word syzygy comes from Thomas Blount's 1656 dictionary, uh, Glossographia. I feel like... Blount? You, Blount is his last name. Blount. Oh, Blount, Blount. comma, uh, apostrophe S. Yes. Blount. Got you. You must have come across Glossographia at some point. Oh, glossographia, the the very early dictionary. Yes, 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 yes. Got you, got you. Yeah, we haven't really talked about it much, and I was going to talk about it here, but it doesn't have much to do with the word. So some other day. But part of its subtitle is Dictionary Interpreting All Such Hard Words As Are Now Used in Our Refined English Tongue. And it basically covered only unusual words. Yeah, a lot of the early dictionaries were like specifically like, here's, here's just the tough ones. For you. Yes, yes. I've, I've gotten all the tough ones into this book so you can read them. The other words, you know, because you've said them. But here's just the toughies that you might not know. You think learning to read English was hard in the 1600s? <laughs> Try this. Try this. And a lot of them say in the subtitles, like, yeah, this is for foreigners who are learning English or for right. women who don't know stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Blount's is actually a lot nicer. We won't get into it today, oh, but it's, it's, it's pretty good. But syzygy is a very hard word, Emily. And I, I know it's it's kind of hard to picture. So we're going to talk a lot more about astronomy and astrology and see if we can get it into everybody's heads, some imagery. Nice. But it originally only referred to what in astronomy is called a conjunction, which is something that occurs when two objects 
appear close to each other in the sky. So it's always from the perspective of someone standing on one celestial body looking at two bodies in the sky, right? Gotcha. Would it be like getting close that they, to our eye, appear to touch? Well, yes, it does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Like they would overlap from our perspective? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. To confuse this even more, I'm told by Wikipedia, who tells me things, yes. that this is somehow different from what astronomers call an apulse, which is the least apparent distance between two celestial bodies from the perspective of a third body. But I'm going to leave that pedantry to the astronomers because I don't get it. We're not going to talk about that here today. So I guess an apples is like, you know, how in math, like limits, like it can get infinitely close, but not. Touching. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then as soon as it touches, then it's a conjunction. It's a conjunction. Yeah. So specifically, Emily, syzygy originally meant the conjunction of the moon and the sun. So when they appear closest to each other in the sky. Sure. I mean, those are the ones that we see the most of. So that makes yes. sense. Yes. And that syzygy is one that results in what we see as the new moon. Right. So no when the moon, moon, I guess. When the moon is... When Dark. we are between the sun and the moon, right? This is... Oh, no, this is the thing that happens every month. Right. Well, the thing that happens every month is a different thing, Emily. <laughs> I don't get that. You get that. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you get cut, you're Italian, so you get when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is, what is the alignment that makes a new moon happen? We're going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I think I know, but I, yeah, could use some no, refreshers. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's sun, moon, earth, right? Because right? the moon and the sun are a conjunction, right? right? They're close to each other. Right. But they're not perfectly aligned because that would be a solar eclipse. Well, well. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of you, Kyle. You're not. The, I love the when you get ahead of me. The moon is hitting your like, eye like a big pizza pie. You're all, <laughs> yeah, let's go you're back all to that. confuddled. <laughs> oh, God. There's sauce in my eyes. <laughs> this is not romantic. <laughs> this is so not amore. <laughs> so the opposite, Emily, of a conjunction is yeah. when two bodies appear 180 degrees from each other. Sure. That is on the opposite side of the body from which the viewer is standing. And right. this is called an opposition. So yeah. there's conjunction, zero degrees, opposition, 180. Those are the opposite sides of the space. And that would be a full moon. Exactly. Or a lunar eclipse, right? Right, yes. yes. But it's both are syzygies, right? Because they're forming what appears to be a straight line. Right, right, a straight line of three. Yep, 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 yep. As you have so wonderfully <laughs> noticed, Emily, sometimes these syzygies can result in an eclipse. Yeah. Really, very, could not determine what the difference definition-wise was between a conjunction or an opposition and an eclipse. They're basically used interchangeably. Some say that the definition that makes something an eclipse is whether or not it is casting a shadow yeah. on the body that you're viewing from. But I think that happens no matter what because of the way things work. Because there's also terms transit and occultation, which is like when something passes in front of a thing. Well, so here's, I think, so yeah. like in our case... 
it's always going to be like a perfect conjunction is always going to be an eclipse because one of the three bodies we're talking about is the sun and that affects where the light is. But if the three bodies you're talking about don't involve the light source, then they might not be eclipses. Um. Oh, yeah, sure. Is that, is that right? I mean, yeah, I'm not no, looking that's at not, your notes, that's, but that's not. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. But yeah, you're not wrong there. Yeah. Although, so like a transit is when something smaller passes in front of something larger. Mm-hmm. And an occultation is when something larger passes in front of something smaller. But, eh. But that still wouldn't necessarily, if it was three planets, it wouldn't affect necessarily the shadow. Yeah, but I think it, I don't know if the shadow is part of it though. We need some astronomers. If there are astronomers out there, pre- yeah. preferably some ancient Greek astronomers that would get, <laughs> kill two birds with one yes. stone. <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, if but, Galileo's yeah. in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. I, Emily, you know how to call him, right? I do. I have his home phone number. Oh, no. I mean, like, his call oh, to get yes. his attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. do really yeah. high, then really low. Yeah. Galileo, Galileo. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, just to clarify, Emily, when the moon and sun are in conjunction, the moon may pass in front of the sun and create a solar eclipse. Similarly, when they're in opposition, the moon might pass through the Earth's shadow of the sun, right? Creating a lunar eclipse. Yes. A tongue-in-cheek but surprisingly handy 2014 tweet from astrophysicist Katie Mack boils this whole thing down to emojis. So this will be the easiest (laughs) way to describe this for everybody. Yes, describe the emojis out loud. It's moon emoji, Earth emoji, sun emoji. Lunar eclipse. Yeah. Okay. Earth emoji, moon emoji, sun emoji, solar eclipse. Yeah. Earth emoji, sun emoji, moon emoji, (laughs) apocalypse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sun is about to hit the earth. (laughs) Yeah. This is, the moon has flown off into the universe. So, Emily, I couldn't exactly figure out how far back the concept of syzygy goes, right? It's probably really, really old. I mean, it'd have um, to be. The The Greek astronomers saw yes. a lot of stuff. They saw a lot of stuff. Have you they seen saw, their was, scared statue faces? time. <laughs> yeah. But Alexandrian science guy, Claudius Ptolemy. <laughs> was that his children's education TV show? <laughs> yeah. Science. Alexandrian science guy. <laughs> Claudius Ptolemy, the Alexandrian <laughs> science guy. Ptolemy, Ptolemy, Ptolemy. <laughs> Inertia uh, is a property of matter. <laughs> we are killing it on the references we, we today. Are just one after the other. And only like half of them are going to get cut. So Ptolemy wrote about syzygies <laughs> in his second century treatise, Mathematicae Syntaxis, oh. uh, which is now known as the Almagest. Oh, from Arabic Almagisti <gasps> and ancient Greek Megiste, no. which basically meant greatest. So the uh, Almagest was the greatest. Almagest. Ptolemy's treatise was so great, in fact, Emily, that Almagest became a word for any volume of useful or esoteric lore resembling the greatness oh, of Ptolemy's work. So there's that's like- That's a really good word. Isn't that's that a such really a good, good word? word for that meaning? Yeah. Isn't that so good? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Ptolemy's Almagest 
amongst other things, one of the things that I had in here, I'll just make it a throwaway, but Ptolemy's <laughs> Almagest solidified, canonized the idea of a geocentric model of the universe. Oh. <laughs> and that would stay in place for like 1400 years until Copernicus was like, hey guys, but really maybe we should think about some other things. He <laughs> said, no, Ptolemy said it, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the other things that it canonized was and originated was the mathematical method for predicting when syzygies would occur. So he was like, this is how you figure it out. Oh. But it was just when they would occur, not where the bodies would be in space. They didn't care about that. And so him doing this, because that work was such a popular work, for the next millennium, like almost oh. 1,200 years, astronomers became more concerned with narrowing down to the minute the timing of future syzygies than they did about actually where any of the bodies were in the sky. They just didn't care. Huh. So Ptolemy also wrote, along with Almagest, he wrote a book called Tetrabiblos, which was... Four books. Well, yeah, but it was the astrological side of all of this. Sure. So it, and it, it became a just as popular, but unlike the Almagest, which fell out of favor once new science came around, astrologists today still follow the Tetrabiblos. Oh, wow. So astronomers were like, when are these things going to happen? And astrologers were like, no, we need to know where the position of all these bodies are. And right. they still use terms like conjunction and opposition and like figure out all this stuff for horoscopes and stuff like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Also, this uh, fascination with predicting future syzygial events <gasps> was taken advantage of in the year 1184, Emily. Taken advantage of? When a letter began circulating falsely attributed to the scholars at the University of Toledo, Spain, not Ohio. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> The Greeks were there? <laughs> so the letter of Toledo purported to have predicted that in the year 1186, a rare conjunction would occur bringing all the planets into syzygy, creating a solar eclipse in which the sun will appear fiery red and distorted, signifying approaching bloodshed. <laughs> yeah. It was sent to the Pope at the time, and it foretold the destruction of the world through wind and storms, drought and famine, pestilence and earthquake, that the air would be darkened and poisoned by a fearful wind, and in the midst of it, a voice or sound would be heard, which would destroy the hearts of men. So, I'm sorry, this letter was written in 84, talking about 86? 86, yes. It's a pretty bold move to predict the apocalypse two years out. Like, it, that's got to be a short con, and then you got to get out of there because everyone is going to quickly know that you're wrong. Well, that's the thing, is that it was, like, purportedly written by these astronomers at this esteemed university in Toledo. Oh, right. But yeah, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. It was literally a hoax It just to get people riled up for two years. Wow. Actually, yeah, in that case, two years is a long, so long time to make everyone <laughs> filled <Right>? with terror. <laughs> Was it like just to like sabotage the reputations of 
the people who had supposedly written it? You know, I could find very little information about it. Most of the information that I found from it was from a paper written in 1902 um, that covered it. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Sure. But, you know, it's fun. I think it existed. (laughs) (laughs) And supposedly it gripped the world with panic so strongly and like did so well at that that the letter continued to be adapted and republished for centuries later. Oh, just changing the year and like different things about it to like make new hoaxes because they just assumed that other people hadn't read it before. To keep the prank going. Yeah, to like keep the prank going. That's oh, so everybody knows funny. senior year. <laughs> senior year, you got to convince everyone that they're going to die in two yeah. years. Prank day. One of the people that supposedly was responsible for this was a hermit on Mount Sinai. <laughs> <laughs> I just made really just bored, I guess. And that's that's Mount Sinai, New York. Yeah, Mount Sinai, New York. Yeah, he was he was just at a grocery store. The ancient Greeks like, were there too. They got <laughs> they got around the U.S. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> so that paper I was talking to you about uh, was written by a scholar, Moses Gaster, and he uh, talks about how the letter had such an immediate and lasting impact on society, and he felt that that was proof that people must have, for generations before that, had a strong-held belief in the power of astronomical events. He was saying that, like, the world was in a kind of bit of turmoil at that time, and that religion was being lost by some people, and Mm -hmm. so people kind of clung to this new science to be like, oh, no, this is what's real, and I I need to have something to stick to. Like, if it can't be religion, it's going to be this. Sure, pseudoscience kind of became the new religion. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and you said Moses Gaster? Gaster, yeah. But he hardly knew her. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, so that was the best joke I've ever told. We can stop it's the podcast good. now. <laughs> it's good. Okay, I, let's round this out, Emily. Okay. So syzygy has also taken on more general meanings. So, I don't know if I mentioned this at the start, but it can also mean a metaphorical alignment of two people, events or ideas. Is a Ooh, syzygy? That's good. Isn't so it is. Good? I was thinking it, it sounded like synergy was what it was, sure. the feel it was giving me. But it's like uh, like a faded alignment of two people. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, it was meant to be. Finally, they're working together. Yeah. Yeah. It can also describe a pair of connected or correlative things that are possibly alike, but it's more often refers to two things that are related because they're opposites. Like a yin-yang? Like a yin-yang thing. So it's like, oh, we're opposites, but we've been one all along, you know? (laughs) With two sides of the same coin. like Batman and Joker, the sun and the moon. Yeah. Yes. Emily, before we close... Okay. I'd like to point out a hidden syzygy here (gasps) and yoke together some loose ends. Do it. So yoke, which I mentioned earlier, it's a strange word, but it just means to join together or become connected to yoke. Like like what oxen are attached to. Right, exactly. That comes to us all the way from the Proto-Indo-European root yug, which means to join or to tie together, Mm -hmm. from which we eventually get through yugom and Proto-Hellenic Zugon, <gasps> syzygy. Wow. Yeah. So yoke and syzygy are related. Our doublets. Emily, it gets even better. Oh. In Latin, yug became yungo, which almost as if by fate, when combined with the prefix con, conjungo, <gasps> becomes conjunction, 
essentially exactly how syzygy was built in ancient Greek. Wow, they're triplets. <laughs> they're triplets. <laughs> I just Incredible. thought that was really exciting. How yeah. syzygious. How syzygial. Syzygial. Emily, I have one last food for thought for you, and okay. perhaps a challenge for the fated the syzygial question I am soon to ask. Uh, yes. A quote that I cannot find any proof of being actually said by this person, but it's attributed <laughs> to the novelist W.P. Kinsella. Okay. Reads, Syzygy, inexorable, pancreatic, phantasmagoria. Anyone who can use those four words in one sentence oh. will never have to do manual labor. God, why would you set? Why would and you throw that, down that gauntlet? Emily, I ask you, can you use syzygy in a sentence? Why would you do this? Okay, but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, hey, this might help you. Sometimes working within constraints helps. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes pancreatic is in there. <laughs> I forgot that one of them was pancreatic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to how to use the word pancreatic in any other context than a tragic one. I mean, fine. No, I don't want it to be a tragic sentence. <laughs> Maybe things have turned around, you know? Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought I was having pancreatic issues. However... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you started off. Mm. I hate this. <laughs> the pizza pie has hit my eye. <laughs> but the phantasmagoria I saw in the syzygy in the sky today tells me that I will be inexorably linked with good health for the years to come. Beautiful. Honestly. <laughs> Great. I feel like I was in, you know, that thing they use to train astronauts where yeah, yeah, they yeah, get yeah, yeah. spun around real fast. <laughs> where they spaghettify you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just stepped out of that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that uh, my space episode could have such a space feeling for you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of syzygy, Emily? Kyle, this is a fantastic word. I'm not super positive I know how to use it in a sentence that doesn't also <laughs> contain inexorable pancreatic and phantasmagoria. But I do really love it. Would you like to play a game? Let's play a game! Emily, your game today is called When the Planets Align. <gasps> so, outside of predicting annual doomsday events, syzygies have had a long life as a trope in media and pop culture. I've only got four questions for you today, okay. but I'm going to give you a result of a syzygy and like what syzygy is occurring. And you're going to need to tell me from whence it originates, what media property it's from. Okay. I think I understand. I'm sure I will once you give me the first one. So in this film, a syzygy of six planets allows the Titans to be freed by Hades, or as it's relayed in the film... In 18 years precisely, the planets will align ever so nicely. Then the once-proud Zeus will finally fall, and you, Hades, will rule all. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is this... Oh. See, if I get it wrong, you're going to be angry at me. No, it's... Uh, let me give you a hint. It's a movie that I constantly bring up on this podcast, and that you never know what it is. 
It is, right? Yeah. Is that it's from Hercules? It's from Hercules. Okay. okay. That's what I thought. But I was like, if I say that and it's not that, what a fool I'm going to look. <laughs> no, no, you got it. Okay. Yeah, there's like a big plot point of the all the planets aligning. Um, okay. That's really cool. It's like probably, it's when I thought of Syzygy, I was like, this is what I know it from. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Emily. In an episode entitled Syzygy, oh. Madame Zarinka explains a syzygy that occurs only every 84 years will cause anyone born on January 12, 1979 to have an abundance of cosmic energy, leading Scully and Mulder to discover oh. the two teenage murderers. Well, thank goodness that that's where that question ends. <laughs> uh, that would be X-Files. X-Files, Emily. You got it. With Scalder and Mully. Scalder and Mully. Yeah, there's just a whole episode entitled Syzygy about a syzygy. Really great. Okay, Emily, your next one. In this video game sequel, Neo Cortex convinces the title character to gather crystals in order to safeguard the world from a 13-planet syzygy, when in reality he needs them to fuel a space weapon. Uh... Is there a hint for that one, too? Sure. Um, <laughs> it's a game from Down Under. Is that Banjo-Kazooie? No. Close, though. Think of a marsupial. Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> Emily, the answer is Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. Oh, when I said Banjo-Kazooie, what I was I thinking in my head was Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay, here's your last one, Emily. The opening of this 1982 Jim Henson film begins with the third great conjunction, a syzygy of the three sons of Thra, the greater son, the rose son, and the dying son, during which Gelfling Jen heals the title object and the Skeksis and Uruk recombine into the Urskex. For a second, I got really confused because you said Jim Henson movie and I was trying to run through Muppet movies and I was like, what the heck? (laughs) But that would be the Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal, Emily. You got it. Nice. You're three for four, Emily. I'll take it, Kyle. Kyle, really good episode. Thank you, Emily. I'm so glad you were so fascinated by all of the astronomy astrology. Syzygy is a really good word. That Mm. other word that you said, almagy? Almagest. Almagest. Yeah. yeah. I liked Thank that you, word Emily. too. Do, did you like it enough to tell people about where they can hear other words? Hey, everybody. Remember, you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast, and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you liked today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really liked today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout-out, either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and myself, Kyle Imperator. The main and accompanying themes were composed by Kyle Imperator.